Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. If you're watching us on uh, live.faithnfm.com, you can look right there on your screen, on your computer screen, and you'll see the notes. And if you're watching on Facebook, they are in the comments. There's a link there. You can go to the notes. Pastor Goss begins a new series next week. Today, Big Mouth. Why it's bigger when it's why it's better when it's bigger. It's better when it's bigger, that big mouth. Um, Psalm 81. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. That's God's promise. You can count on it. He promises it. But like a lot of promises, it comes with the requirement. And the requirement is... I have to open my mouth wide. Now, this verse is in the middle of a a song. That's what a psalm is. It's a song. And the song has told the people of Israel and reminded them of where they came from, what God has already done for them. In fact, the entire verse, verse 10 says, For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. And then the song tells them what God wants to do for them. It says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now, whether you know it or not, God has done great things for you. If you believe in Jesus, he has rescued you. If you trust in the name of Christ, he has freed you. He has taken you out of bondage. He has taken you and freed you from the penalty of sin. He has freed you from the power of sin. He has done great things for you. But if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've trusted Christ for a while, you may be saying, okay, what then? What what now? Well, it says right here, I will do I will fill your mouth with good things. But in order for that to happen, there's something I need you to do so so that I can do something for you. And here's what you need to know. Receptivity precedes receiving. Receptivity precedes. It goes before receiving. If you're not ready you're not going to receive what God has promised to you. Only God can provide what you need. Our soul longs for that which only God can provide, and nothing else is ever going to provide what we need. Our soul will never be satisfied with anything else but God. He is what we need. Your soul is not going to be satisfied by anything. It's not going to be satisfied by anyone. And we keep asking God to satisfy us with things that don't satisfy us. We keep saying, oh God, if I had more money, if I had better relationships, if I had more sleep, if I had a better job, if I had a better spouse, if I had more obedient children, if I had all of these things, I would be satisfied. But those things never satisfy, yet we keep asking God to satisfy us with them. Right? None of those things will ultimately satisfy. None of those will take away your soul's hunger. None of those will quench your soul's thirst. We need what God can provide. Psalm 
34 says, even among young lions, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. John 6, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And the problem is we don't realize how thirsty our soul is. We don't recognize that that drive and that ambition that we feel is our soul looking for fulfillment. We don't realize that 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 quest for love and compassion and care is our soul longing for what only God can give us. I have what you need. I am what you need. God in Psalm 81 here says, I can fill it. But if we are to experience the satisfaction and the ultimate fulfillment that we crave, we have to be ready. We have to be receptive to what God offers. And receptivity depends on two things. There must be an openness. He said, open your mouth. Open it. You can't be fed unless you open your mouth. That cookie will never go in you know, you know what it's like when you have a two-year-old and you're trying to feed them some nasty stuff out of a baby jar? Mm, 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 mm. God is not trying to give you anything nasty. He is trying to fill you with good things. Are you open? Are you ready? Or are you here this morning and your mouth is closed, your life is, your mind is closed, your emotions are closed? You, why would we be closed to God in the very place where we've gathered to hear from him and to exalt his name? Why would that happen? Well, I think there's three reasons. We're closed when we are rebellious. We're closed when we're rebellious. We simply don't want to. I'm not going to open my mouth and you can't make me. I'm not going to open my mind and you're not going to make me. Mm -mm -mm. Some of you here this morning, and you're here in rebellion. You don't want to be here. You were like manipulated to be here. You were forced to be here. You're told you're going to church on Sunday and that's where you're going to be. So you're here. Or you're here because it's kind of expected You don't want people to think bad of you and they see you every Sunday, so you're here. Because it's Sunday, so I'm here. I guess I'll go. Got nothing better to do. I'm up. I'm awake. Maybe get a donut. Here, on the outside, you're doing all the right things on the outside and you're compliant and you're looking like I'm here and I'm open. But on the inside, you're standing up and you're walking away. The only thing you've really yielded is your body. The rest of you is closed. Your mind is closed. Your heart is closed. Your emotions are closed. Your will is closed. If something really good pops up on your phone, you're open to that. But as far as being here, you're in rebellion. Can I say very gently to you, open your mouth wide and he will fill it. Tell the rebellious child no. 
slay the rebellion and open up. Secondly, we're closed when we're afraid. We're closed when we're afraid. And there's another word that you, I debated there, prejudice. We're closed when we're prejudiced. Because prejudiced people are often fearful people. Fear shows up in prejudice. And some of you have already prejudged the situation here. Oh, it's another Sunday morning. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, we're going to sing. Somebody's going to talk. Boom, I'm done. Okay, you've already prejudged this. Or you've prejudged what it means to open up to God. You've seen spiritual people and they scare you because they're weird. And you're not going to open up like that. I'm not going to open up because I'm, it's just scary. It's weird. I don't want to do that. You've prejudged it. Or you've prejudged, you've said, well, Pastor Goss isn't here and that guy, I don't know. I don't even know. I'm not going to, he's got nothing for me. There's nothing here for me. There's like, I'm going to get my nap in and I'm going to be done. You've prejudged it. Open your mouth and God will fill it. The third reason we are closed is we're closed when we pretend we're full. When we pretend we're full, like the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3, you say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. But you and I both know you're wretched, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked, there is a thirst. There's a drive, there is a seeking in your soul. And way down there, you're empty. You're depressed. You're just feeling that, uh. You can pretend, but pretending is not going to fill you. Saying the words and, and just looking like you're, looking like you're eating isn't eating. Sometimes we come in and we treat this like it's a two-year-old's tea party. Mmm, 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 num, num, num. Ooh, cookie, good. Oh, mmm, num, num, num. And nothing's going in. We're pretending. Pretending will not fill you. Pretending, you know, what you feel sometimes, you say, well, I'm full. I feel full. I feel like I've... And what... What you're feeling is, is a pretended fullness that you, you've filled with other stuff. Your diet's bad, and your stomach's hurting, your soul is hurting, but you're not really full. We were, we watched, we were watching this survival show where they put people out in the woods, and they try to survive, and they just try to do whatever they can, and, and they have to get their own food. And this one guy, his diet was terrible. And, but he, he was feeling like he was full. I mean, he was eating like trees and stuff. And he, he was feeling like he was full. And, and his stomach was like hurting like he was full. But then he started having flatulence, okay? And, and he wasn't full. He was constipated. That's what you thought you were going to hear this morning. <laughs> And, and there are people that come, and they're not spiritually full. They're spiritually constipated. And you could tell because they have that groan. They're groaning. They're like, ah, ah. Oh, that's terrible. Ah, I hate that. Ah, ah, ah. Okay? And that's sweet. that is not a sweet smell of Christ that you're smelling. Okay? That is spiritual constipation. 
Because you can't just pretend to eat the right things. You have to open your mouth wide and let God fill it. Pretending to eat won't satisfy you. Heaven's best is wasted on you if you do not open your mouth. You have to open it. The second thing you have to do is there must be an eagerness. An eagerness. Open your mouth wide. There must be an eagerness. There must be a longing. There must be a desire. There must be a hunger for God. First Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Some of you haven't had a full experience of salvation. You've just come and believed and you said, well, that's enough. And then you're hungry. He said, you have to, oh, you have to crave it, cry out for this nourishment. You've seen a baby crying out for nourishment. You've seen baby birds crying out and they've got their mouth wide open. You have a baby that's crying and they're crying and their eyes are closed and their mouth is open and they are, I need food because I'm craving it. And if you, you take your, you ever done this? You take your finger and you just kind of at the corner of their mouth and then, all right, ah, 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 okay. Because they're craving it. You keep doing that long enough, they're going to get angry. They're going to get hangry. You need a holy hanger for God to say, God, I need this. I am eager for you to fill me. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. We must be receptive, ready to receive. Because a ready life is a blessed life. Hear it. A ready life is a blessed life. I will fill it with good things. There's a confidence. There's a surety. Who is going to fill it? Who is going to fill it? This is just practice. Second service will get it right. Okay. God is going to fill it. If I, I brought you out of bondage, I brought you out of slavery, if I can do that, then I can provide for you. Because he not only wants to take us out of bad places, he wants to put us in good places. The best places. Because when you're ready, you can be blessed, and a blessed life is a victorious life. A blessed life is a victorious life. Look how he goes on in this psalm. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. It is not God's intent that you live as a victim of the world, as a victim of your temptation, as a victim of all the things that, that would come and assail you, that, that you would be a victim of lust, that you would be a victim of circumstance. He is, that is not his intention that you be a victim. His intention is that you be victorious. Like I said, second service will be with me. That's all right. We're just, you jump in any time though. Victorious. He did not leave us defeated, hopeless, helpless. First John, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
a victorious life that defeats this evil world. And what does it say? What's my part in it? Open wide. And believe. Just believe. Do I have to fight? No. He fights. He wins the victory. It says what our part is, is believe. He has already created the victory. Colossians, God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Jesus pants the devil. That's what he did. He just went, boop. You're nothing. Gave us the victory. Read Romans 8. Yet even in the midst of all these things, now stop right there. In the midst, in the middle, in the middle of what things? Well, the things that don't go right. The things that we don't like. The things that come against us that the devil tries to use to distract us and think that we're losing. We're not losing. But see, the devil's a liar. He, he's, a, he's a liar. He's a cheat. He's a, he's a jerk. The devil is, he's like the jerkiest jerk ever. He, he will use circumstances and try to tell you, ah, you're not winning. But we know that even in the middle of all these things, we triumph over them all, for God has made us to be more, you might want to underline that, more than conquerors, and his demonstrated love, his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Do you recognize what this means? This means that we're good winners. We're good winners. Some people don't know how to win. People who don't know how to lose don't know how to win. If you get a, if you get a poor loser, you're going to get a poor winner, because when they finally do win, they don't know how to win, because they don't know how to lose. You've seen sports teams like this. They never win, they never win, they never win, and they win. And what does everybody do? They go on a riot. They like burn cars and turn over things and destroy businesses because they don't know how to win. But Jesus knew how to lose. Jesus didn't just lose it all. He gave it all up. Jesus dealt with hatred and strife and rejection and spite and tyranny and then he hung on a cross and he suffered and he died and he did it all willingly and humbly and there was no bad thing in his mouth and in the middle of all that he forgave the people who thought they were winning he forgave them and he made peace and he reconciled God and man. That's what kind of winner he was. That's what kind of winner he expects us to be. That's the victory that we share in. See, Jesus did not intend for us to be conquerors. He did not. The whole point of redemption is that we might know what it is to win daily, to win in the home, in the church, at the job, at school, in this world, what it is to win as he does. We are more than conquerors. 
His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Our demonstrated love is a sign and it is a distinctive mark of the person who has been filled by him. It's the distinctive mark of the person who sees with his eyes, who speaks with his lips, who serves with his hands and his feet, who loves like he does. We're not a victim fighting for a victory. We are more than a conqueror with someone who has already won because a blessed life is a victorious life. But even more, a blessed life is an abundant life. Verse 16, but I would, I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Finest wheat is the wheat that you take and you make flour and then you make bread. Honey from the rock, under the ledge of the rock, is where the best, sweetest honey is found. Bread and honey. Warm biscuits topped with honey. That's a blessed life. Mmm. Mmm. Can't you warm biscuit and you just drizzle it with honey, making you hungry, okay? It's nutritious and it's sweet. Are you defeated? Are you feeling dull? Are you feeling kind of mm, drab? You've got the wrong diet. You remember when Israel went out into the wilderness and then they started complaining to God and they said, we want to go back, we want to go back. Do you know, do you know what, they were, what they were desiring? What they, what they said, here's what we want. Right there in Numbers 11, we had all the cucumbers, melons, leek, onion, and garlic we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. They wanted a salad. Okay? You need to change your spiritual diet. See, they had manna, and the word says that the manna was like bread in honey. And they said, we don't want what you give us. We want to go back to our salad. John 10, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Rich, satisfying, abundant, plentiful, lavish, generous, bountiful, full life. You say, well, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You're talking about abundant life. You're talking about victorious life. But mm, you seen my checkbook lately? You seen the car I drive? You seen where I live? You seen, I mean, nobody likes my Facebook posts. <laughs> or you have some real things. You know, you, you got the doctor's report you didn't want. We ha we've had several, several of people that attend here that have died recently and you go what kind of abundant life is that it's an abundant life that does not end when this life ends it is an abundant life that is full of things which will not rust and will not decay it's not something you're going to find in your checkbook because those things go away he said abundant abundant life you know when, when God's, uh, do you know when God's giving stops? It's when we stop receiving. Open wide and he will fill it. Open wider and he will fill it more. 
keep making room and he's going to keep pouring in. He has more to give than we could ever receive. His limit is our limit to receive. So open wide and open wider. But as great as this song is, as good as this is so far, as wonderful as this could have been for Israel, it comes with a warning. If you look back through the verses we've already read from Psalm 81, you'll see, you'll begin to notice the phrase, I would, I would, I would subdue. My hands would be upon your foes. Your enemies would cringe. I would feed you. I would satisfy you. I would? Sounds like there's a but there. There is. But what? Lord, you promised to fill me with good things. What happened? Verse 11. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. Their prerequisite to to blessing is really simple. Get ready. Open your mouth wide so he can fill it with good things. But readiness is a matter of response, not ability. Our readiness is a matter of response, not ability. It's not not that they didn't have ability to receive. It's not that we're not able. God has made us. He has created us to be able. It's like a bowl that is created to be a bowl is just a bowl, and all it has to do is be a bowl. God has created us as receptors, as receivers of the blessing that he promises to pour into us, but we have to be just what he's called us to be. That's it. It's not like we have to, I don't have the ability. I can't, I can't, I can't. No, you can. You have ability. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of response. Open your mouth. Open your life wide and I will fill it. We have to be a receptor of his grace and mercy. We have to be a willing vessel. Because when we fail to be what we were called to be, you can remove the be from blessed because you become less. And that's what we live with, is less. Simply because we are not being what we're called to be. Because two things, we fail to hear God's word. My people would not listen. They did not want me around. In fact, this request from God began in verse 8. Verse 8 said, listen to me. Listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warnings, O Israel, if only you would listen to me. If you would, there would be victory. If you would, there would be abundance. Instead, he says in verse 12, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires according to their own ideas. Go ahead. Go ahead. A lot of ideas around. A lot of ways to success follow them. Go after it. Do it. Do the best ones. Do the religious ones. Do the spiritual ones. But if it's not God, and if it's not God's word, it's a bad word. Paul describes it this way, Romans 1. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. Who defeated the devil? Jesus. Where does victory reside? Jesus. Giving you Sunday school answers here. Jesus, yes. One day, all the kingdoms of this world will come and recognize the word of God, Jesus, 
that that is what we must cling to and hold to. One day that will happen. In the meantime, the kingdoms of this world live outside of the rule of the word of God. They do. It says here in 1 John, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Because the devil's still out there. He's still real. The devil is not that that cute costume that some idiot parent is going to put on their child this Thursday. Don't be that idiot. The devil is real. The devil is powerful. He is a million times stronger than you. And he hates you. And he he hates your family. He hates your marriage. He hates your children. He hates this church. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to break you down. And the only place where we have victory and power over the devil is in the Word of God. The only place is in the implanted, abiding, everlasting, living, and active Word of God. The Word's our only weapon. The world has no weapon. The world has no defense. The Word of God is our only weapon. The Word of God is our only defense, our only protection. Because in Him, in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not, cannot overcome it. First John, I write to you, young, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one but fail to hear the word of God and you fail to wield the only weapon that can stand in your defense, the only source of victory available. We fail to hear the word of God and secondly, we fail to obey God's will. We fail to obey God's will. Our obedience is acknowledgement that he is Lord. He's in charge. I'm not. God's will is one of those things that we sometimes get really tied up about because we start thinking God's will and we're like, oh, uh," and we start thinking about our own lives and we start thinking about individual steps and do I do this or do I do this? Okay, that's God's specific will for you, but God has a general will and God's general will, he has already made known. You know where he made it known? In his word. And God doesn't stop there. He then fills us, and not just with good things, but with himself. Look at Luke 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask him. How are we going to ask him? I guess we send him like a text or a Facebook message or an Instagram private thing or I don't know. No. You open your mouth and ask him, and he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. John 14, notice what happens next. And the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. That He will remind you, remind you, because it's not an either-or thing. It's not hear the word of God or 
obey his will. It's hear the word of God, obey God's will, ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit will remind you what he has said so that you can walk in this world in victory and in abundance. I, I, I think the Holy Spirit tends to be mysterious to a lot of Christians simply because they've never asked to be filled. And they don't know God's word, so what is the Holy Spirit going to talk to them about? They have nothing to talk about. So you could open your mouth wide, you could open your life wide and allow the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to fill you with abundance and victory. Or you could follow your own stubborn desires and live according to your own ideas. And let's see how that works out. It was never God's plan to take Israel out of bondage in Egypt just so they could go back into bondage in Babylon. And it was never God's idea to bring you out of sin, to save you from sin and from the power of the devil just so that you could walk back into barrenness and discouragement and defeat. Open your mouth wide and he will fill it with good things. I'd like everyone here to close your eyes just for a moment. The first thing I want you to do is simply ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? What do you have for me right now? And maybe you're here this morning and you you have never what they call bowed the knee to God. You have never submitted yourself to God. You have never said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. And that's you this morning. What you need to do is you need to ask and say, God, I will put my faith in you. I will trust in you. I believe in you. You have to do that. It is your mouth that has to open. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been living short of where God has called you to live. You have been living just out there in the wilderness somewhere. God wants to give you abundance. He wants to give you victory. This has nothing to do with circumstances. It has nothing to do with anything but God filling you with himself you need to open your mouth ask him say God fill me maybe you simply just need to praise him and give him thanks for what he has already done and what he you know he is on the way to going to do I'm going to ask everyone in this room you're going to do one of those or you're going to sit there in rebellion. You're going to sit there in fear. You're going to sit there and say, I've got it all. I'm, I'm good. We're going to do that right now. God, I ask you, Lord, fill us, fill me this morning with yourself, with your holy presence. Lord, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't live short of what you've called us to be. 
Lord, you have called us to be receptors of your grace, of your mercy, so that we can then have that flow out to others, that we can live as more than conquerors that love and are loved. Lord, that we would be your hands and your feet, that we would do those things that you have called us to do simply because we are being who you've called us to be. Call on them right now. I, I encourage you to open your mouth wide and let them fill it. Lord, right now we praise you. We give you honor. Lord, we ask you to do for that which we cannot do for ourselves, which no other can do for us. Lord, there is no other power. There is no other name by which we can be saved. It is only through you, through your mercy and your grace and what you have done on the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that right now in your name. Lord, I pray that we would be your people, recognized, recognized as your people because we have received what you're pouring out into us. Lord, we ask you to do that now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, amen. Amen. So be it. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.